Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future, part two, one sandbagging minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Menez in the news and phrasing. Are we doing that? Phrasing? Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, sandbagging. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. Are you? Finish. Are you thinking? Are you confusing sandbagging with teabagging? I just. I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that's a phrase. Sandbag. I mean, there's like. I think there's like some political stuff that's called sandbagging. Maybe yeah, sandbagging is when you try to stop somebody from achieving what they're trying to achieve. I don't know if there's any adult connotation to it, but yeah, yeah I'm gonna well, urban dictionary. anyway. Yeah. So so there you go. So sandbagging. That's exactly what he does. Um, so uh, so yeah. Joining us uh, today for uh, yet another uh, day in our uh, Minute Family All Star Two Week Extravaganza. We've got Kyle and Brady from Ghostbusters Minute. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us, Scott and Nick. Been looking forward to this. Awesome, awesome. Um, so today we are going back to Minute Eighty Eight, which begins with Marty reaching for the rope, and ends with Marty eavesdropping on a conversation he's already had. Um, not really sure why he's wasting his time doing that, but you know, whatever. Um, so, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so yesterday we were talking about the sandbags, if you remember Nick, and Mm -hmm. we were talking about how many sandbags there were, how much they weighed. Well, I, I dug deep on sandbags today (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, what I discovered, I, 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 A couple of things. One, we were confused about what the sandbags were actually doing before Marty untied them. And I'm realizing now that they were probably holding up the thing that he was on, which means it's probably not crazy smart of him to be untying them. Yeah, it's kind of dark winged ducks onto the floor. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, bad news. Bad news. But uh, I was looking up these sandbags and – Apparently, theatrical sandbags run between 15 and 30 pounds. Wow. Yes. I counted 22 sandbags. Oh, wow. I counted 18. I tried to do the same thing and and work out how much that would weigh and how much it would take to kill someone. And it's easily enough to kill three human beings, I think. Yeah. No, at at its lowest capacity, I counted about 330 pounds. Oh, my God. You know, that's, that's interesting because in uh, you know a later minute in Ghostbusters that we're going to get to the Walter Peck character gets you know just slammed with a bunch of uh, whip not whipped cream um, marshmallow cream yeah yeah exactly and uh, it's it, yeah it doesn't you you don't think about how much this kind of stuff weighs and when I think sandbags I wouldn't think you know the number that you just gave so geez. Yeah, yeah I once actually uh, back in high school I once uh, pushed a friend out of the way from falling sandbags and really. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was scary because the 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 sound that it made was, you know, you could just tell from the 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 impact that it made on the ground, you know, as we both, you know, like we were like we it was it was kind of a Spielberg moment where we like slowly turned <laughs> and we could almost see the ground kind of like the floor was like almost dented <laughs> from the force, and he was like, "You just saved my life," and I was like, "I did more than that." <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh yeah, twenty twenty two sandbags. I mean that's that's a that's a lot of sandbags. And if that thing was if those were like holding up the thing that Marty was on, I mean this this was just 
this could have ended in disaster. So I don't. Oh yeah, especially coming from like twenty feet up in the air, the terminal velocity they would have, even spread over the surface area of maybe like five or six people, you're still going to end up with a mild concussion at best. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. this is why Billy Zane has a different accent in the in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it could be. It could be. Um, one one thing too, though, and this is something that I think we brought up when we were talking about the first film. So we had talked about how. You know, in the first film, you cut directly from Marty on stage saying, maybe you, maybe you guys aren't ready for this or ready for that, but your kids are going to love it. And then you cut directly to him coming off stage and seeing Lorraine. And we had talked about like what happened between those two cuts that took him so long to come off stage because, you know, he was already handing the guitar away when he says the line. Mm-hmm. So all he has to do is walk away. And now we get our answer here, which is that he gets interrupted by the three goons unconscious on the ground. Yeah. What the hell? I wonder how much of that might have been thought of beforehand. Like when you make a movie like this, you say, okay, well, we get, we're probably going to have a sequel. So should we leave a little, you know, bits and pieces here and there that we can have fun with filling in later? Um, and I'm just, I'm wondering if maybe that was the case here. Probably not, but. <laughs> no, because originally uh, the sequel to Back to the Future uh, took place in 1967. So they went from 2015 to alternate 1985 and then ended up in 1967 where like Lorraine was like a flower child and uh, George was a college professor and this whole thing. And son of also son of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you got to wonder if um – if that would have made for an interesting movie, there's actually something that we go back to quite a bit on Ghostbusters Minute, which is, uh, would what would John Belushi's Peter Venkman have been like? Because you know he was initially cast, and of course sure. that always, mm-hmm. always or, uh, or Eddie Murphy's Winston Zedmore. There you go, and that always goes over to like Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones and everything. What do you guys think Eric Stoltz, uh, Marty McFly would have been like? I know that there's a little bit out there but um, you know it's so funny you say that because i was actually just thinking about that uh yesterday uh you know the reason that uh that eric stoltz was replaced was that he was playing it a little too straight and wasn't really getting the kind of uh fun cartoony humor that that zemeckis was going for and i just think he would have been even more out of place yeah in, Mm -hmm. in this which is even more broader and even more of a cartoon you know well i don't i don't think back to the future would have ever gotten a sequel Sure. Uh, if if Eric Stoltz had played Barney McFly, mm-hmm. so it just kind of would have felt like one. It's it's one story, uh, a little more dramatic, I guess, and probably not bad at all. I like Eric Stoltz a lot, but um, oh yeah, definitely, definitely not. Uh, probably wouldn't have had the staying power. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think it would have been more of like a cult classic than than the 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 gigantic like pulp, pop culture phenomenon that Back to the Future is. Yeah, maybe it would have been more of like a Project X, real geniuses kind of fan base than right yeah um but yeah i mean and anyone who's ever casted anything knows it. it it it's way more about who's right for this individual part than like you know the metal of of, of an actor right mm-hmm. huh. um interesting stuff oh, yeah. yeah absolutely i mean yeah and i mean like i mean john belushi and eddie murphy are amazing you know but it, it, it would have been a different movie and like a different especially in a comedy like ghostbusters where it's all about the chemistry that each character has. Scott and I were actually just talking about how much we love the um, the relationship, the chemistry between Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd in, in particular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, the Vistaglide. 
Um, I'm sure you guys <laughs> have touched on that. Uh, quite yeah. a bit. You know how ILM kind of brought the you know motion control photography into a, just a whole new place with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause it was invented for Roger Rabbit and then they brought it over to this one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, we were talking about it in the last, the last minute. They uh, were not sure if they used the Vista glide or not in the last minute where, where Marty was, um, above the stage while the other Marty was playing on stage because there seems to be a, like special effects, like glow over one or the other Marty at any given time. Yeah. Um, in the way that like the X wings and tie fighters and stuff where the rancor did in star Wars. Right. Right. Uh, so, so I'm, we're wondering if, if the shots were just too complex for them to use the Vista glide. Yeah. Um, Cause typically the Vista glide, they pick a, a shot where there's like a really nice built in cut point in the middle of the frame, like a pole or something. Yeah. Um, and, kinda, no, I'm sorry. Not, not to cut you off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, there just wasn't anything like that in, no. in the, uh, the, the combo scenes uh, in the last minute. But yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no, that was it. It's just every now and then you see stuff like the streamers going down the middle or, I think in the third movie, um, I don't know if, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's a sequence where somebody hands a baby like across the screen and it's clearly there for the transition. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, so, so every now and then it just, there's something that kind of takes me out of it. But for the most part, man, they just, it's amazing. It kinda, yeah. Remember that, remember that really, this is going way back, but you remember that amazing shot in part two earlier where um, it goes from like old Biff to like the DeLorean flying away and it's like one shot yeah. and it's like really clean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I just remember I was talking about that. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. So then, uh, so then our, our Marty, uh, walks out, tells doc that he's going to meet him on the roof and then, uh, jets out of there. And I mean, he really goes, yeah, uh, yeah. very confidently out the door but then doesn't go very far because he very quickly turns around and, and spies on himself. Yeah. Um, and we which, get, uh, we get Lorraine, uh, reprise. Okay. So I'm being really, um, this is just my brain, but like, it really feels like this is a different line reading of that was really interesting music than in the first movie. Am I crazy? No, no, no. It has to be. Cause they, they did it in the same shot that Marty left. So it's okay, the same cool. camera move, which means that they, they have to, they had to have reshot it. Okay, yeah. great. Cause it, it was yeah. kind of a, cause I mean that, that the, what the, her reading in, in part one is so memorable. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that, I mean, I mean, it's just as great, but it, it just was like, Oh, is that different? Well, I mean, it's the difference between acting and quoting yourself, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, one is not going to be as natural. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have talked about it yet, but have you seen the, um, I guess it was on a Blu-ray or the edition that came out last year where they actually cut the two together from the first movie and the second movie to see where, how they lined up. Scott? No. Okay. So I had just found this and, and watched it right before we did this and I sent it over to Brady and he and I watched it and I'll send it's you guys on, a link here in a little YouTube, bit. Right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's somebody just uploaded it to YouTube, but, um, it's, uh, so basically what that is, they just took the, the footage from the first uh, movie and they played it out as if it would be in real time. So if there's ever a gap in between the two, you have a screen at the top and the screen at the bottom of this, of, um, of the frame, uh, it would just be black where there was no reference point for it. Uh, and this was one of the moments that was really the, the, the blocking of it is exactly how it is in the first movie. 
but the only difference is that her hair is a little bit more uh, like curled out and poofed in this one. But other than that, it's just it's remarkable the amount of uh, of, the, of care they put into recreating this as close as possible yeah, like to the first one. The, the timing of when Biff is hit, him like spinning around and hitting the car is it's almost like they shot it the first time with two different cameras and we're like, OK, save this footage. We're going to use it in the sequel at some point because it's uh, it's yeah, it's incredible. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that'll be a really cool thing to check out. Yeah. Um, so, so guys, uh, there's not a lot more to talk about in this particular minute, but uh, I'd love to get your your background on the movie. Like, what what are your what are your what's your background with like uh, Back to the Future, and when's the first time you saw it, and and that sort of thing. Uh, I'll start with Kyle. Oh gosh, let's see. The first time I saw it, I remember Back to the Future came out, and everybody at school was talking about how amazing this movie was, and. I don't think I saw it until a friend of mine and I did like a uh, Michael J. Fox like double feature one night mm-hmm. where we watched Teen Wolf and Back to the Future back to back. And uh, I just remember being like liking Teen Wolf and thinking it was OK, but then just being like blown away with how amazing Back to the Future was. And it was kind of at that height of the 1950s uh, kind of like retro culture in the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny. My wife and I went to like uh, a Johnny Rocket the other night and had like milkshakes mm-hmm. and hamburgers and stuff like that. And. You know, we were talking about it was really funny. Our nostalgia for visiting 50s diners like in the 80s, <laughs> which was funny. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, so um, I-, I loved the first movie uh, so much right off the bat. Uh, fast forward a few years later, went to see Back to the Future 2 and walked out of it like the most upset like nine year old in the world because uh, <laughs> at the time I wasn't ready for it. I didn't understand that it was a, you know, at that time, um, Empire Strikes Back was my least favorite Star Wars movie. So now Empire's one of my favorite, probably my favorite movie of all time. Back to the Future 2 is probably my favorite of this trilogy. Um, I have not gone into uh, the levels of detail that some of uh, you guys or a lot of the fans have on the internet of, uh, you know, like the shooting information and stuff like that. But I've always appreciated the fact that these are, uh, these movies are such well constructed uh, from, from from like a, um, a screenplay aspect. And there seems to be, when, Whenever you're doing a time travel movie, there's you can very easily mess it up and uh, you know negate things you did earlier or create paradoxes inadvertently. And I've never really been able to find. I know there's a few out there, but I've never been able to find them in my own head. Watching these movies is something that wouldn't be able to work out time travel wise. So, uh, but yeah, this is a series that I even love. The third one uh, is it like westerns too. My, my wife and I. This is like our, our popcorn. Like whenever we're having a bad day, we just pop in one of these movies and watch it just because it's such a joy, you know, to watch. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As far as uh, as far as plot holes, they're definitely there, but from from and we've talked about a lot of them. But the but the thing about Back to the Future is that it's so the time travel is so simplistic, like it just begs you not to overthink it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> which which just works for its benefit, I think. Uh, Brady, what about you? Well, you know, so many of the uh, Movies by Minutes podcasts are about uh, movies that are, you know, kind of in the same 70s and 80s, things like that. So these are a lot of movies that have just sort of always been in my consciousness. And I don't really remember a first time that I saw Back to the Future. I do remember going to see uh, Back to the Future 2 and also being just stunned whenever it, you know, ended. And I I didn't understand at that age that movies can have a sad ending, or not sad ending, but just like a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And, um... It immediately cut to, I think it was even before the credits rolled, to this kind of like sizzle reel for the third one. And, yeah. uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they kind of dropped that in last minute to let people know that something else was coming. I could be totally wrong in that. Uh, 
it, but, it, we, we get conflicting reports on whether or not people knew there was a part three. Um, so I'm not, I'm not totally sure. We're not totally sure. <laughs> but some people remember that everyone knew that they were filming back to back and then others say that it was a complete surprise. And I, and I think more than anything, it has to do whether or not how old you were and whether or not you were the type of person to have your finger on the pulse of like entertainment news right. yeah, or like, like Starlog or whatever. Cause <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like the internet was back then. So, so sure, have that one weird kid that like read like, you know, famous monsters of film land or Starlog. <laughs> right. Exactly. Kenneth, tell us what's going on. Oh my God. They're making a part three. <laughs> you mentioned that, um, the way time travel is canceled, canceled, handled, uh, very simply. I think it's cool that they, um, they actually have the people, whenever they go back in time or forward in time, they're going to be in the exact same spot geographically that they would have been in initially. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of movies, if someone time travels, they're going to end up in a like different part of the world. Person mm-hmm. uh, child rules. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, um, I don't know. I, I, what's funny is that I, you rarely see people like showing up in the same spot geographically. In so many movies, it's them just showing up in like a castle in the Swiss Alps or something like that. Yeah, for no reason. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, to, to answer your initial question uh, before I got off on a tangent. I don't really remember seeing the movie for the first time, but it's definitely one that I've never forgotten about ever since. And anytime it's on TV, dropping whatever I'm doing, you know, that's my priority. You know, what's also really interesting is we have more so than most trilogies or even like, you know, beloved film properties. We've gotten such a scattershot answer as to like how you would rank them because mm-hmm. some people with such conviction say that two is the worst one but huh. then other people with equal conviction will say oh no like like three is the worst one and there really hasn't and i kind of i kind of dig that there really isn't a, a a consensus you know it's not like the batman movies where you know the ranking is pretty obvious you know what I mean? the, the like, only consensus seems to be that the first one is the best one sure yeah 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 um, yeah. With with with, I think we've only had one guest who disagrees with that. Um, Which one did they put as as the first one? The second one is their favorite. Well, the second one is definitely, I think, the the most interesting. The, there's the most going on. It, it's the most distinct of of the three. The first one and the third one are kind of. I mean, even though they take place at two completely different time periods, they're kind of the same story of being out of place and wanting to get back to you know the the regular timeline. The second one, this one, and I think the reason that it's my favorite is just it's so bizarre. It's so many different movies in one. There's like. You know, the, the, the futuristic, weird, comedic part, and then there's the dystopian part. And then and something that I normally hate in movies is when somebody retraces or retreads something that's done before, but they actually found a way to make it work in this one. And the third act of this movie is, you know, basically going back to the first one, which usually a lot of trilogies save for the third movie to revisit the, the first one. You know, like Alien 3 and Alien are, are very similar and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but this one is just – it's so ambitious in what it's trying to do. And it, there's no template for for how this movie works. Like, there's nothing like it before. It really hasn't been much afterwards. But it just its vision of the future and how bizarre that was uh, to to just like going back to the first movie in the third act and actually working in a couple of really brilliant uh, action scenes in it. It's it's just it's so strange. I've never seen another movie like it since. Yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting uh, or it's a difficult question to answer whenever someone says, "What do you think the best is?" Because a lot of people confuse that with what's my favorite. Right. Um, I could, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to answer. Like someone could say, "Brady, what do you what do you think the best movie of all time is?" And I could tell you, 
like what my favorite movie of all time is, which I guess would be Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I would say like, I don't know, Citizen Kane or something like that. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of the same here. Um, you could say, what do you think the best one is? And I would be telling you Back to the Future 2 because it's my favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. When in fact, I think it might, it might be the first one in my opinion. But um, I don't know, man. That's, that's, I could go back and forth on that depending <laughs> on the day. <laughs> They're so good. They're just that good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us about uh, Ghostbusters Minute. Where can people find it and, and, and talk a little bit about the show? I, I know I'm a listener. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, we're, just, we're on anywhere you can find fine podcasts like Back to the Future Minute. Uh, you know, iTunes, uh, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Overcast, Stitcher, we're on all those. Um, basically, what we do is the same thing that you guys do here is we analyze the movie Ghostbusters minute by minute. We're going to be doing, I think, number tw- minute 27 drops tomorrow, um, or I guess by the time this is out, I think that would already be out. Uh, and we're trying to do the same thing you guys are doing on this episode is uh, have some uh, guests on. And uh, we'd love if you guys could come on at some point in the future and talk Ghostbusters minute yes, by minute. with us. Oh, but, yeah, we would love that. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's uh, it's pretty much the same format uh, as most of these minute by minute podcasts. We you know we heard uh, we back to the future minute and uh, Star Wars minute and Alien minute. And we were like, hey, how come nobody's ever done this about Ghostbusters? And before that phrase could be out of our mouths, we were already registering the domain name on Squarespace so that we could go ahead and jump on it and do it ourselves. So mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, yeah. Yeah, this uh, we're we're just a, a member of the family, and we love being here. Uh, you know, this has been uh, such a great experience for us. All the minute uh, movies by minute podcasts have really opened their arms, and you know, uh, really promoted each other, and, and we've we've really enjoyed it. So, if you like what uh, you hear on Back to the Future Minute, and you just wonder what it would be like on Ghostbusters, then you should come check us out. Uh, but we're at GhostbustersMinute.com. If you want to join us on Facebook, it's Facebook.com/GhostbustersMinute. Uh, we're on Twitter, Twitter.com/GBMinute, and uh, we also do some bonus. Patreon episodes. Uh, that's kind of how we subsidize the um, uh, making the show better, buying new mics and stuff like that. So on Saturdays, we might do a show where we, I think this week, we're reviewing the movie Ghost Heads, which just came out on uh, Netflix. And uh, I think we're going to be doing some some other crazy stuff in the very near future. So, Yeah, you guys, uh, you run a tight show over there. Very oh, tight show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No. It's it's a. You, well, I'm glad you say that because it's when we recorded it, it's not a tight show. <laughs> it's it's Kyle, a Kyle. The uh, the coat hanger that I'm using to hold up my mic is drooping some. You know, maybe. Uh, can I borrow some of that duct tape? You know, to. <laughs> uh, he's not kidding. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, actually, uh, this week is. Uh, well, this will probably be out. I, I think our. This week of podcast will be out by the time the show comes out. I guess I'm giving away the industry secret there. Uh, we're having uh, screenwriter Mark Landry on our show who wrote um, uh, uh, high school uh, – excuse me, teen, um, teen Beach movie, I think. Yeah. yeah, Teen Beach movie for Disney Channel. Uh, and he yeah. is a huge oh. Ghostbusters fan and also is a comic creator and uh, kind of broke down uh, screenplay structure with us on the show. So Brady and I come from film backgrounds, and we have a lot of film friends. I'm sure, lot, as most of the people who do these uh, podcasts do, uh, so we kind of try to try to throw that in there, uh, you know, film experience and stuff like that. So Totally. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. All right. Awesome. Well, I think that uh, I think that about wraps up this minute. Wait, can uh, I throw something out there real quick? Just because I researched this. The knot that he unties to drop the sandbags is a bowline oh. knot. It's a, a what? Bowline knot. Bowline knot, which is the most uh, common theater knot because it's practically impossible to pull through. Whoa. So when you tie something up with a bowline knot, it's not coming down, even if it's like 300 pounds of sandbags. Oh. So I'm oh. sorry. I just, I just had to say that because I, I, I spent an extensive <laughs> amount of time researching knots, nautical knots and things like that. And I finally found the bowline theatrical <laughs> knot. So there you go. <laughs> very cool. Very yeah. cool. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we yeah. will be back tomorrow with minute 89 in the meantime you can go to our website duelinggenre.com where you can check out our other podcast the doctor's companion our doctor who podcast that we do with our co-host cassandra frederickson and geek by night our original audio drama about five nerdy friends who run a comic book shop together and have superpowers uh and then of course our patreon page at duelinggenre.com slash support where uh, you can gain access to our Patreon exclusive uh, weekend edition, the Back to the Future Minute No Roads edition, where every weekend Nick and I uh, answer emails and talk about some sort of main topic and do sort of like a pick three thing of Back to the Future related topics. Um, it's a fun show. Check it out if uh, you're interested and we will uh, see you tomorrow. Oh, and of course, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Be honest.